Good morning, BC family. I'm Seth. I'm one of the teachers here, and I am joined this morning by two of my favorite people in the world, two of my closest friends and dearest brothers, big brothers in the Lord that I give them a lot to to keep up with or to put up with, I think. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is Mike Eddins, and this is Mike Jones, and the context of our conversation that we're going to have this morning is that we have been talking, as most of you probably know for the last few months, about what it means to live the lifestyle of Jesus. We've said it a lot. I'll say it again. If we want to live the abundant life that Jesus promised us, that he demonstrated for us, and that he purchased for us, we need to follow his example and live his lifestyle. And so we've been talking about what it means to live the lifestyle of Jesus, how to order our daily lives around practice of the spiritual disciplines in the Holy Spirit's power. And we've been talking about prayer, which I hope you all are seeing and agreeing is a very, very, very deep, very broad subject. And so we've been talking about it with uh, just using Pete Gregg's acronym P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, ask, yield, talking about some of the different core dimensions of what prayer is, and we are finishing this morning talking about asking in prayer. We talked about how Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's uh, intercession, petition, seeking discernment, and then after that, Jesus teaches us to pray like this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so if you've been with us for the past two weeks, we've had our wonderful friend Anthony Elliott sharing with us and equipping us with how to practice repentance and how to practice forgiveness. And I hope you've been uh, catching a vision for the fact that the call to repentance and to forgiveness is not the bad news of the good news. It's hard work, as we've talked about, but it's good news. Repentance and forgiveness are two of the sweetest gifts that we've been given by our Father who loves us for our good. And so this morning we're going to conclude with just kind of a little bit of a free-flowing conversation this morning about living lives of repentance and forgiveness. And so we have invited our friends Mike and Mike. I'm going to have to come up with nicknames. I think I'll call you Old Mike. And uh, you're older than me, so I don't want to call you Young Mike. So maybe, how about Little Mike? Is that, you think Little Mike? Okay, okay, we'll see. So all, all age jokes aside, thank you guys for being here. This is really, really, really special. Oh, this is super fun, and and you have to know that Seth has no idea what we're going to say. <laughs> I don't. We we You're are having we're having trouble we're now. having a totally unscripted <laughs> conversation. But here's the deal: they have no idea what I'm going to ask them, so I get to just put them on the spot and see what they come up with. Right. Are you guys ready? The second service is going to be easier. <laughs> <laughs> what if I come up with new questions? Didn't see that one coming. Okay, so. One of the reasons why Guile and I wanted Mike and Mike to come and talk with us about repentance and forgiveness is because when Guile and I were talking about repentance and forgiveness, these guys both came up in both of our minds immediately as guys who live it, people who live it, people who live lives of repentance and forgiveness. And so, Mike, I wanted to start by just pitching a question your way because I, I've learned more from you about repentance 
than, than I've learned anywhere else. And before you and I started hanging out, I think I had a pretty narrow idea of repentance, and it went something like this. And it, it's, it's not totally a false idea, but it was just kind of like there's sort of a status quo in our relationship with God, and then I mess it up whenever I sin or mess up in some way. And then repentance is how I restore the status quo and just kind of get back to square one. But what I've learned from my time with you is that repentance is much more than that. It's much deeper than that. And I think the most important thing I feel like I've learned from you and I'm still learning from you is that repentance is the door to deeper intimacy with Jesus, to a deeper walk with the Spirit, to a deeper connection with our Father. And so I wondered this morning if you could just share a little bit about what the Lord has taught you about repentance, about what you've learned about the beauty of a life of repentance? That is a hard question. <laughs> but um, I think that, um, and, and, and again, Anthony, you did fantastic. You laid some serious groundwork. That's, that's absolutely fantastic work the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't, if you didn't make it, you need to go back and you need to watch the, watch the videos on that. Um, I think just for me, I, I would agree with you in the way I used to think too. I used to even think that there's just this list of do's and don'ts and I just need to not do the don'ts. And then if I did one of them, then God made me, you know, ask him for forgiveness, you know. And then I began to realize that the Lord is inviting us into an eternal relationship with him. And he set about a way for us as contingent beings, as people that need him, people that are fallible, people that make mistakes. He set this up, and he did it through communion as well, to help us deal with the fact that we are not going to be perfect. But yet he wants to be in close relationship with him. And so basically he's like, do it like this. And then you and I can be close and we can hang out and it can be, it can be super special and not just the religious idea of I've got to do this so God won't be mad at me. It's I, if I don't follow this, he set this mechanism up so that I can be close to him. Um, and so with this idea, I think for me first, it, it, you know, it begins with confession. It begins with the idea that I've done something that grieves God. I've done something that I know <laughs> because he probably told me to do this. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> we all been there. <laughs> you know, God's like laying it out for us. And we just decide we don't, we don't want to do that. Uh, we know those. But, uh, but then there are those moments where he'll just, he'll just whisper to us and say, Mike, I don't like it when you do that. I really would like for you to stop doing that. And, um, and then, you know, there's his kindness, right? Bringing us to repentance. It's, uh, and, 
But the, the, the confession aspect for me is the beginning point. It's me acknowledging and, and recognizing that I've done something to grieve God. And, and of course, you can relate this to all of our relationships. I mean, he, he created us to be relational beings. This is, this is how he expects us to live. We do this with our spouses. We do this with our friends. We do this. And, and that was mentioned in the last couple of weeks as well. And so with that admission that I had done something to grieve God, then the next thing for me is, well, What's God going to think about this when I tell him I've done this? Well, he's already here and he knows it anyway. <laughs> but he knows that I need to bring it to him and ask him for forgiveness. Because if I don't, then I'm just presuming on him. I mean, and, and, and I know that, that that's kind of hard between me, me and God and how to understand that. But in my relationship with my friends and, and with Rana, there's those things that... I would do wrong and I could easily just say, well, Rana loves me, so I know she's going to forgive me, but I'm not going to say anything. It, it'll, it'll all be okay. She'll forgive me because she loves me. And what I'm doing is, is I'm presuming upon her forgiveness. I'm not giving her an opportunity to actually forgive me. And in that moment, it, it, with this that's kind of a big answer, but in that in, in that recognizing I've done something wrong, be, either between me and someone here or me and Jesus, I have to recognize it. I've got to own it. I've got to, uh, you know, uh, confess it. And then with people here, it's will they forgive me? And if they decide to forgive me, then that closeness continues. Okay, with me and God, it's I know God's going to forgive me. The word says he's going to forgive me. But I've found with uh, meeting with, you know, guys over the years, many guys don't even want to bring the confession, don't even get to repentance, much less forgiveness, because they just don't believe God's going to forgive them or they don't believe God loves them because of all kinds of different factors. So that. that does that get us started? Yeah. That's, okay. That's perfect. You, you're welcome to keep going. <laughs> you may have no, to have another question. No, I mean, well, I, I, I was hoping that you would get into what you just brought up about the difference between presuming upon the forgiveness of God and asking for the forgiveness of God. And you've talked a lot about how we as a culture, we, we have an aversion to the idea of mercy to the idea of needing mercy and to actually living this part of the prayer, asking for mercy. So I wonder if you could just expound on that a little bit. Sure. And I think that came up. Jonathan Freed said I needed to listen to a podcast. And what was his name again, Jonathan? I can't. I don't, I, Phil Anderson. Phil Anderson, yeah. Phil, and I don't listen to very many podcasts, but he, he did a podcast. I think it was through Renovare. And he was talking about just the definition of the word mercy and, and also about mercy and how our culture never uses that word mercy. And it just hit me. It's like, well, of course our culture, our culture that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't understand the gospel or the kingdom of God, is it, it, where we are right now, there's no, there's no need to even use the word mercy because in our culture it's, 
everything you do is okay. Everything you do is right. You can do anything you want and it's and it's good. And and essentially this is this misguided idea that we all want to be loved, we all want to be accepted and and so they're going after it, but they're going after it with this with the idea that you can do anything, you know, ethics is out the window. You can do anything you want and it and it's good. So with the idea of mercy, the if there's no concept of right and wrong, truth and falsity, there's no concept of of uh, injuring a relationship, then there's no need for mercy. I, I don't need to give mercy to anybody because that's what mercy really is. So they're just kind of foregoing the essence of mercy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really, really helpful. And so for us, um, we get we experience something that's so powerful in the building of trust when we can come to our spouse or our brother or our sister because we're all in this family and and confess. And then they hold the relationship in their hand now. Do they want to, will they forgive? Mm. And then it's restored and it's, and it's more, it's deep, it's powerful. I mean, Paul says the gospel is the power of God. And that is the admission of sin, the repentance of sin, the forgiveness of sin, and then the restoration of intimacy with the Father. Now, I love that. And I feel like some of the most regular advice I've gotten from you over the years when even just trying to figure out what's going on, you know, it, is the Lord dealing with this? Is this sin or whatever? You know, <laughs> Mike just always says, well, just repent. Even if you're not sure, just repent because it's the quickest way to get to the grace and mercy of God. But, but you're right. If we're, if we're not rooted in our sonship in the Lord, have a right understanding of the gospel, who he is, it's scary because in our human relationships, we know we can go and ask for forgiveness and we don't, we don't know. And for a lot of us, that is a, a big hurdle of growing in, in this rhythm of going to him for forgiveness and, and finding out each time experientially that he will forgive, that he, that he is ready to receive us before we were even, even ready to go to him. Um, that's huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, that whole, that, that's kind of a, a funny little quip, but, but how, and, and maybe it's just me. You tell me. Maybe it's just me. But how many times have you done something and then you and God had this conversation? Well, it really wasn't that bad, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody else is, you know, other people are doing it and, and they're getting away with it. They look like they're doing just fine. Or, um, you know, you, you just have this debate. And, and that's, in my mind, that's religion. Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Wow. Look, man, throw it out the window. It's, it's relationally. Did I grieve God? Did I hurt somebody? I mean, how many times have you done something and someone came to you and they said, you hurt me? And you're like, well, that shouldn't hurt you. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't, but you just did it anyway. So what are you going to do about it, see? And, and for me, you know, my younger years, I'd be like, oh, man, I've got this in my life. I don't know if God's going to forgive me or not. I wouldn't admit that, but it would be going through my head subconsciously. And so I'd like, well, I need to fast. Well, I need to, 
you know, do this or serve this way or practice this, get out Foster's book and, and read it on my knees or whatever, you know, and it's like penance. I'm trying to do something to, you know, get to the grace and mercy of God. Well, mm-hmm. I figured out real quick that just on my face, <laughs> just repenting gets me there a lot quicker than, uh, you know, a two week fast or something, you know, and that's, you know, that's not to play light of fasting or anything, yeah. no, but you understand, absolutely. hopefully you understand what I'm saying here. Just get to the heart of it. Don't debate, just get there. Yeah. I think that's huge because our, our, our human religious impulse is towards penance, even though we probably all have a kind of a knee jerk reaction to the idea of penance. There's this prideful human thing in us that want that wants to pay. Yeah. We want to pay for what we've done, and we want to earn the grace and mercy of Jesus. But just like you're saying, it. It, it, it's what it's what Peter told us that God gives grace to who to the humble, and He opposes the proud. Um, that's, that's so so helpful, Mike. Mike, little Mike. Little Mike. This is just fun. I'm going to call you this forever. The thing that I was uh, just thinking about you this morning leading up to this conversation is I was thinking about this thing that I think makes perfect sense in light of what we're talking about in the kingdom, but it, it makes you a little bit of a paradox. Uh, when, when looking at you through the world's perspective, some of what Mike was talking about, the broken perspectives that we tend to look through, because you are genuinely one of the most joyful, joy-filled people that I've ever met. I know you have your moments. We all do. But you're just one of the most genuinely joyful people that I've ever met. And it's obvious that it is joy in Christ. It is joy that flows from your relationship with Christ. And at the same time, in I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you where you did not at some point tell me about something that the Lord has been lately dealing with you on. <laughs> about the Lord's discipline in your life. Almost every conversation I ever have with you, you tell me with joy and with a smile on your face, oh man, the Lord put his finger on this. The Lord told, <laughs> the Lord showed me this area of sin in my life. The Lord asked me to repent about this. Like, um, And that, that feels like those two things, joy and constant repentance, constantly experiencing the discipline of the Lord would not go together. But just like we're talking about this morning, what... It, I think you help convince me that the Jesus way of joyful repentance is reality. And so I just wanted to ask you about that this morning, about the relationship between your joy in Christ and your willingness to let him deal with your stuff on a regular basis. Well, yeah, it's working. (laughs) Well, um, fortunately, um, Jesus... um, loves the rejected stone and I am definitely the rejected stone. There are so many things for him to fix. But um uh when um I started my walk with Jesus I, I came out of atheism and um I knew um immediately in embracing uh, Christ that he um forgives me of, of all my sins. At the time that uh, I found Jesus I lived a very, very sinful life so the mercy part, I, I always um, knew that that was there. Um, but um, the way that he's built humility in me 
is that sometimes Jesus has this way of poking on certain things that I just don't really want to deal with. And um, I'm continuously forced to kind of deal with it. And then once it does get dealt with, then I start to feel all the cool, amazing things that Mike was talking about. Um, one thing I think recently that came up, because um, you know we've done our race and reconciliation group, is um, I was reading through scripture um, to just, you know, kind of see what the scripture says in various different places about like race and reconciliation. And one scripture I, I came across was um, in Peter chapter 2, where um, Peter, he goes through and basically is telling uh, the first church, slaves be subject to your masters with all reverence, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are perverse. Um, and so me as a person of color, I read something like this and I'm like, ooh, I don't know, I like that. And I'm praying, I'm talking to Jesus. It's like, Jesus, you know, when you're uh, in Luke chapter 4, you're talking about freeing people from oppressors, but then Peter is saying this in Second Peter, obviously... Peter is going off the script, right? And, and Jesus is like, no. And so now I'm stuck in a situation. Do I really believe the scripture? Or do I believe what I know is right? And Jesus is, is tapping on me that sometimes I want to believe what I know is right instead of what he's provided for me. And so then I have to play with those ideologies as what do I have to do to change myself to be able to embrace and take more of him so that I can understand what's going on here? And, and that's one of many different things Jesus has me repent from. That's so helpful. I wonder if you could talk just a little bit more about the connection for you in the way you experience it practically, between walking in the joy of the Lord mm -hmm. and and relating to Him in this way, letting Him be Lord, letting Him put His finger on things that you and He are at odds about. All right. So, this specific example. So, you know, I, I read it. I'm, I'm wrestling with it. I'm praying. I'm talking to Jesus, and I'm just continuing to ask Him in prayer and. Um, by continuing to maintain the relationship aspect between me and Jesus through prayer um, and, and to develop a heart of humility, um, instead of hearing my own echo chamber of what it is I believe, I can finally start to hear Jesus' voice on the subject. And so I asked Jesus, Jesus, why would Peter say something like that? And Jesus says, Michael, the reason that Peter would say something like that is because my kingdom and what I have prepared for you is so amazing that it doesn't matter what any oppressor does to you, I can reverse it like it never happened. The freedom and the strength comes from you letting me live inside of you. And then I can trust him. But that's the question is, do I really trust him? And then that's where I have to repent. Lord, sometimes I, I, I think I trust you. I want to say out loud to everybody that I do trust you, but maybe there's some little spaces where maybe I don't trust you, but I say I do, and then we can work on that, and that's how we get closer. 
quiet. <laughs> I did, well, I, I feel tempted to, to fill in the quiet with the next thing, but I, I just, um, we're on holy ground whenever our brothers are sharing the depths of the riches that the Lord has brought forth from their hearts. And so I want to I wanna tread gently around the, the treasures that you guys are sharing with us this morning. So I have a question for both of you that kind of builds on what we've talked about. Today is Father's Day, and it's a great time for us as the people of God to remember that no matter what kind of families we came out of, no matter what kind of relationships we have with our earthly dads, the, some of the best news of the good news of the gospel is that in Christ, through the Spirit, God, the God of the universe, has become our Father, that we are sons and daughters of God, loved with the same love that the Father has for His Son, Jesus. And another one of the most frequent themes of my conversations with both of you is the stuff that we learn about the heart of God, about the heart of our Father through our own experience of being fathers to our kids. And uh, and those are some of my favorite conversations that I have with you guys when we're just talking about the ways that the Father is teaching us about who He is through our own experience of fathering, both the moments when we do a good job of showing who He's like, and He goes, yeah, I'm like that with you, you know, and the moments when we do a bad job, and He's like, you think I'm like that with you? <laughs> and so I just wondered if you guys could each just share, just off the top of your head, just what comes out of your heart, either about one of, just from each of you, either one of the, the main things that you feel like the Lord has showed you about His heart through your experience of fathering over the years, or maybe the latest thing, the, the, the latest thing off the press in your relationship with the Father. And you guys can argue over who goes first. Yes, I'm being directed. Um, so... Yeah, um, and being a, a father and husband, uh, a lot of times what's important to me um, maybe um, is contrary to what's important to my family. Um, when my wife and I, we bought our home several years ago, our backyard was just kind of like a mud hole. Um, the people that left, who, who we bought the home from, they um, damaged the backyard really, really bad and um, I just kind of left left it alone. You know, we have dogs running around there, and it's just kind of you know an eyesore. We just we just don't mess with it. But the, you know, Mrs. Jones is continuously saying, "Man, this is a real eyesore," and I really really would like it if you'd fix it. And I'm just like, "Yeah, we'll eventually get to it." Kind of. <laughs> but then I'm praying and I'm talking to Jesus, and Jesus is like, "Well, Mrs. Jones has asked you to fix the backyard so many times." Why, why is it that you haven't fixed the backyard? I'm like, well, Jesus, we got a lot of other stuff to do. I mean, that's kind of time and money and, yeah, there's a lot of other important stuff. And he's like, Michael, if you asked me something, how many times would you have to ask me for me to give it to you? And I was like, well, that's not fair. I mean, you're God. You always come through. And he's like, well, Michael, I've put you in this role of your family to reflect me. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta repent of that too. So, <laughs> so then we we finally put the plan down to put really hard work and fix in the backyard. And lo and behold, I learned that I actually like doing yard work. 
<laughs> like I really Bonus. enjoy it. It's like therapeutic. <laughs> and so through the act of, of being a father and a husband and, and repenting, the Lord uh, sent me um, in a direction that I thought was going to be miserable, but actually ended up making me so much happier. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. It reminds me, I, I was reading, there's a, a passage in Deuteronomy that I stumbled across a few weeks ago where the Lord says, oh, that my people would have their hearts inclined to obedience all the time so that it may go well with them. That's what, that's what that story reminds me of. That we, I felt like the Lord said to me recently, Seth, if you only knew the goodness that I have for you, you wouldn't be so afraid of obedience. Oh, wow, yeah. Really good. Every time he calls us into obedience, like Mike was just saying, first of all, there's just joy in the obedience itself. And then so many times there's these surprises, these surprise little gifts and winks from the Father that we didn't even know were going to come through it. I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that story, Mike. What was the question again? <laughs> what have you learned? Or what are you learning? What's one of the biggest things you've learned or one of the latest things you're learning about the heart of the Father? through your own experience of parenting your boys? Um, I could go to many different directions <laughs> with that one. Um, I think, I think in, in the same vein of this uh, confession and forgiveness idea, for me... There are days, and, and I may be the only one in here, but there are days that I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I kind of wish I had a different job, you know? And and then the Lord reminds me that this is exactly where I have you until I move you. And 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 how all that fits is it's serving my family. I do it to serve my family. I do it to provide for my family. And... Man, we've had some knockdown dragouts in the sense that in the whole wanting series, you know, we're going through the whole wanting and the Lord says, well, I want this for you. And I tell the Lord, well, Lord, I don't want that for me. (laughs) And um, and we know who wins. And 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 this is just goes back to what I was saying before. I, I find myself in these conversations with Jesus about my wanting. And he just basically says, well, if you want to see more of me, then you've got to lay down that want. And you've got to choose to want what I want. And those are, those are never fun. But they are just straight up the truth. And, and, and admitting what's really happening. And in, in, in my mind and in my heart and, and what's really going on. And that's, that's, that's what he's trying to get to uh, with, with all of us. First step, like I said, is just to admit that this is really what's happening. And then we can start dealing with it. If you, uh, you know, run from it or try to convince yourself it's not the case. Or, you know, maybe I could go back to the fact that, doesn't matter what I do, I'm always doing the right thing, or you know, you can go into all those kinds of things. But, but that 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 would be the biggest thing, is obedience to my Father, wanting, choosing to want what He wants, knowing that it is a direct aspect of my 
being a father and being a husband. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. All right. My last question for both of you, and I, I, I did give them a little bit of a warning that I was going to ask this, but today is Father's Day, and we've got a lot of fathers in the room, and so I wanted to ask each of you what you feel that the Spirit wants to say to our fathers in this community, in this moment. So I'm just going to, maybe we'll just start off with you, Mike, and then Ben, you can share this on your and in, in thinking of, of fathers, there's, there's uh, you know, earthly fathers, and then there's spiritual fathers, um, and it, it's all, the Lord sees all of that. Um, I think, okay, right, right. Um, I think that, um, I, I don't know, there's a lot of ideas, but first of all, I'd say that being a father is probably one of the, the greatest joys of my life, and it's just so powerful because you mentioned, you know, mentioned the boys in that. That's so powerful. But I can also say that on the flip side of that, it can also, you know, us guys, I don't know why we're this way, but we like to think we can just do it all by ourselves, right? You know? And there are those moments where you just feel alone. You feel like you're the only one that really understands or sees things. And, um, and so that's why it's so important, you know, for us to, to be in community. And um, I just, so there are those moments at being a father where you just don't have the answer. <laughs> you just don't know <laughs> whether you're going to do the right thing or not. And you just don't know who to ask, you know. Um, and or in, in, in a lot of it with us guys, we just, it's probably more of a trust issue. We just don't trust everybody, you know. But, but I can say that there's many men in this room that I have gone to and I have trusted and, and, and had some really powerful moments with as far as them being a spiritual father for me and helping me be a better earthly father because then I realized that I am not in this thing, you know, by myself. Um, and, and the whole spiritual father thing, it reminds me of a really cool men's retreat we had way back when uh, when we had Merlin Severson with us, we we went out on retreat and Merlin prayed all night for us. And the next day, it was I don't know if it, I can't remember if it was breakfast or if it was lunch, but we're talking about in a uh, camp dining room with you know just food on the table over here, and it's you know ten, eleven, twelve o'clock during the day and. And uh, I don't even think we had worship. We just went into some testimonies. Or, and I don't even, and this is, in this the way God is? You don't even remember what was really said. You know, the, the teaching must have been fantastic. No, I, I have no idea. I don't even remember what, what was, I don't even remember who was teaching. It doesn't even matter, right? And, and I just remember the Holy Spirit just dropped on us. There's probably about 30 or 40 of us in there. And, um, and, Merlin was just praying for people and it was just people were 
the guys were just, you know, the snot was flowing, the tears were going. It was just nuts. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really cool. And then the Lord, you know, put on me. It's like, Mike, you feel alone. You need to go get prayer. And so I remember going to Merlin. I didn't have to say anything. He just lays his hands on me, and I'm just like, just a mess. You know, and him just reminding me that, you know, as a father, as a spiritual leader, I'm not alone. Fathers, it's good to have them. <laughs> so, um, what I hear the, the Lord telling me to share with the fathers is, um, is that your kids are paying attention. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, my oldest son, um, Michael Jr., um, his mom and I um, divorced. Um, when he was really, really young, and we have very opposing uh, religious beliefs. Um, and part of our divorce decree is, you know, that we would never force our beliefs on him, um, and we'd let him kind of make his own decision in that realm. Um, and so over the years, um, you know, Michael's got to, you know, in our joint custodial situation, live with me and then live with his mom, you know, uh, and it's been pretty well split for the most part. Um, anyways, uh, to make a long story short, um, Michael has seen how I live my life with Jesus. And he sees how his mom lives her life. And um, within the last few months, he's been asking me about baptism. And it's not because I tell him, son, you need to believe this, you need to believe this. But it's because he sees how I live. So what I say to the fathers out there, if you think your kids aren't paying attention, they are. All the time they're paying attention. So live like a Christian, not at church, but at home also. And live that way. And let that be the, the testimony and the witness to them as to what's real and what's true about God. That's so good. So again, it, it reminds me of, I guess, what, what I would want to share to fathers is one of the lessons that these guys have so helped me learn that just bounces off of what you said, which is um, I, I'm kind of a recovering perfectionist, so I'm very aware of my role in my family as the one who's, a big part of my role is to show my children what God the Father is like through the way that I father them. But um, I, I can put so much pressure on that side of the equation that I forget that just as important, maybe more important, is to show my children how to live as a child of God. A child who has to regularly practice repentance. A child who has to regularly repent to them for the ways that I've failed to be the father that I'm called to be. And that is good, good news. It's really good news. And so, um, as we close this morning, and as we wrap up this conversation, uh, Mike, I was wondering if you could, if we could just stand together as a, as a family. And Mike, if you could pray a blessing over our fathers and over our families this morning. Yes, I will. Fantastic. Lord, I want to thank you that you're watching over us. I want to thank you for the fathers that have stepped forward 
and that have taken on the responsibilities that you've called them to. And Lord, I pray that as they have stepped forward, that you would meet them there with a power that they've never, that they've not known, with a wisdom that they couldn't even describe, and that your mercy would be on them just incredibly strong so that they would know that um, that you are walking with them, that you bring mercy and forgiveness to them so that you can pass out mercy and forgiveness to those around them so that they could show the world and their family and, and people in their workplaces that uh, that they walk with you, not that they walk perfectly, but that they walk with you in right relationship and that you are running after the Father. And Lord, we just pray that over them. We pray over families. Lord, we pray that um, for all the spiritual fathers out there, Lord, that you would just continue to give them wisdom and strength to be and, 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 and just insight to see in the men around them, how they can speak life and speak healing and speak health into their lives so that we can experience this, uh, this being the family of God and living in the kingdom of God now, not just in the, in the, in the future, but now. So, Lord, we do praise you and we thank you for your work in our life. We pray for the fathers, and we pray that they be blessed today and that they would in, truly enjoy any celebrations that they have going today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Could, could we thank these guys for the treasures that they've shared with us this morning? Thank you, Mike. Thank you.